Yeah, let's all say Dan. 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 Dang it, I want to turn. I couldn't couldn't hold back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Dan Marcello Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is bearded beauty Daniel Rye. Successor Presidente Scott Reed. And Chicago Marathon would-be champion Bill Calvin. <laughs> would-be, yeah. Give me a few more years of practice. <laughs> uh, Scott, would you pray for us? I will. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this chance that we can be together. We can talk about your word, and we can talk about what you're doing in our lives. Uh, Lord, we pray that... Uh, our time together, the things that we say as it goes out um, for people to listen to it, that it would bless them and and cause them to draw closer to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, a couple quick notes. Um, Bill, you're not running on Sunday, are you? No. This Sunday is the Chicago Marathon. No. I thought I was going to be running Boston on October 11th. Right. So there's no way you can run two times in two days. Oh, right. There are people doing it, but I can't do it. <laughs> and what happened to Boston? I got cut out because they they shortened up the field by like 10,000 right. people at least. That's right, because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. So hopefully next spring. I would really like to do it in the spring. Yeah. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, really quick, I actually want to jump into this. Before we get into Would You Rathers, if you don't mind, Scott, if you'll yield your time on the Senate floor. (laughs) Um, This was something that it'll go in as a bonus bit, um, but we were talking a little bit about gambling at the beginning uh, before we officially started the show, and I want to jump right into that while it's still fresh in our minds. Can we talk uh, really directly about gambling from like a biblical perspective, whether like, I'm just going to ask really blunt questions because I don't even know how to phrase it. Like, can should Christians buy lottery tickets? Should Christians buy scratch tickets? Should Christians go to casinos? Uh, I imagine, I don't know, the answer might be clear-cut. It might be kind of gray. I don't think I've ever heard somebody speak directly to it, and I'm very curious as to what uh, your perspective is. If you don't mind, Bill, would you start off with? <laughs> All right. Well, mine's a conservative view. Okay. I I really don't have any grace towards gambling. Hmm. And the reasons are the Bible does not have a verse that says thou shalt not gamble, but it, gambling is always put in a bad light. Mm-hmm. For instance, they gambled at the foot of the cross for the clothes mm-hmm. of Jesus. Who wants to be associated with the enemy of Christ? Hmm. Then there's also... The entirety of the Bible teaching, you work for what you get in life. You Hmm. you don't just luck into something. And that's what gambling is all about, is lucking into something, getting something for practically nothing. Hmm. So that speaks against the whole mindset of Scripture. But this next reason is the one that really is apart from the Scriptures. Something like three to four percent of the people that go to a casino are addicted to gambling, mm-hmm. and that's where they make over fifty percent of their profits. Sure, is from those three percent. It's because those people cannot help themselves; they gamble until they are completely busted, mm-hmm. meaning they've already maxed out their credit cards, and that leads to a great deal of social havoc. When the casinos went into Iowa, the founder or the man that was running the Open Door Mission said to me, 100 families, mainly Omaha and Western Iowa families, Mm -hmm. have lost their homes this past year. And they've washed up at the Open Door Mission, which leads to a great deal of suicides. This is such a shameful thing to lose everything Hmm. that typically that gambler thinks hard about suicide as the only way out. Hmm. And and many of them commit suicide because that's Hmm. their solution. Hmm. So that's why I don't really care for gambling. Yeah. Um, Daniel, what did you look up? I think you looked something up. Um, So I think 
like first first of all like being from omaha and like <laughs> council bluffs mm-hmm. where it's like allowed to gamble mm-hmm. like there were a lot of people that i knew who would like on the weekends their trip they'd like go across the river mm-hmm. to go gamble mm-hmm. and there's i like help serve at the open door mission a couple of times and it's just it's crazy mm-hmm. how it affects and i know that Nebraska just passed it to be like legal in the state. When you say you started the open door mission and it was crazy, like what do you what do you mean? Um, just like hearing the stories, like of, what Bill was saying, of from people like, who are coming in, the people who are coming in and who have just like kind of lost everything, mm-hmm. um, and just like knowing knowing the harm that it causes communities. I'm up in Waukegan. They partner with a group that I'm I'm a part of a trinity called mosaic mm-hmm. and they were just putting like trying to put up this um casino up in waukegan and it's just like it's this really like not well off area and it's gonna have a negative impact on the community because mm-hmm. of it like statistically places with um with casinos and like gambling like it, like causes damage to people's lives mm-hmm. yeah Sucks the community dry. Mm-hmm. And the way that I learned that was they did a big article in Time Magazine a long time ago. I mean, we're talking probably 40 years ago they did this article showing these really fabulous casinos. And then they took you outside and it was just homelessness. Mm-hmm. Papers blowing up against the building. It just... So completely stark poverty, yeah. horrible poverty. I thought, wow. So gambling, they have to somehow push it through and try to save people's consciences. So they say things like, well, our casino built these soccer fields in Council Bluff. They built some fabulous parks yeah. for kids with the gambling uh, like the taxation of gambling. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a nice soccer field. Is it really worth having a hundred people lose their homes for that soccer field? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, it's not. But that this is where the government politicians really, really let us down. Mm-hmm. They want the revenues because they they tax the casinos to right. death. Yeah. They they want that revenue and it's pretty much saying I'm going to trade a $5 bill for a $1 bill every minute mm-hmm. of the day until these things finally are outlawed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just that big of a losing proposition. You have to spend so much money on social services to make up for what the casinos are doing with damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask uh, a question sort of from the opposite direction. I, I don't think this really counts as as gambling but it's something that i've wanted to bring up before on the show and this seems like the most relevant time but if i i believe that there are times both in the old testament and in the book of acts when people cast lots to see what god wants them to do Mm -hmm. and it's like not considered a bad thing it's considered like part of what they do what is what is that (laughs) why don't we do that anymore or do we? Is that well, what happens in staff meetings? You know what? <laughs> the beauty of it is the last time you see it in the Bible is Acts 1 when they're trying to pick between Matthias and Barsabas. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the next apostle? And then we're not even sure they made the right choice because mm-hmm. Matthias is selected, and then you never hear anything about him. You know, did he work out? Was he a problem? You know, what, what happened? Yeah. And in fairness to the whole situation, you've got to say, well, we don't also hear anything about Bartholomew, Thaddeus. There's some other disciples we, don't, we never hear about from that point on. But you don't see the Apostle Paul, for instance, teaching and practicing okay, I can't make up my mind. I'm going to have Urim and Thumb and, and make a choice. It's no, I have the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide me. And there's all these examples mm-hmm. in the book of Acts and beyond of the Holy Spirit guiding them into the way they're to go mm-hmm. as opposed to, 
I, honestly, that year in Methuen is almost like a, a coin flip. Right. Hard to put the important decisions of life on a coin flip. Do you know why that ended? Like why that's the last time? Like I, the Holy Spirit shows up in Acts chapter two. Mm. They're all filled with the Spirit. They start living by the Spirit. I, I take it that's the answer that mm. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, so you don't need to do this kind of stuff. Mm. Cool. Any last thoughts <laughs> on gambling or casting of lots or what was the word you used? Your Urim and Thummim. It was it was part of Moses brought this. Yeah. In. So the Israelites, once in a great while, the leader would say, I've got to have an answer and mm-hmm. I need Urim and Thummim to, to find out which way to go. Because um, there's like sacred lots, right? Like don't, in the Old Testament, aren't there like... That's what like, it is. That, that is that's, the... Yeah, okay. that's it. Scott, are you ready to give up your blackjack plane? No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> the first time I learned how to play blackjack was actually on a mission trip uh, to Cleveland, right. Ohio. <laughs> we played with Twizzlers and Oreos. Mm. As cards? Yeah. Or as uh, <laughs> as chips. As chips. Well, let's get started the way we normally get started with the podcast. Scott, are you prepared for your would you rather spotlight moment? I always Thank am. you for yielding your time to that discussion. Okay. I appreciate it. It's okay. We're going to go back to would you rather Toastmasters. Good gravy. It's been a while. Oh, no. Oh, well, no, no we're definitely doing it. This I'm is my so, revenge on you I'm for so, always making me do. I'm so bad. in the Bible's Carmen San Diego. Well, <laughs> <laughs> The karmic I don't. scales. Oh, yeah. Bells. Let's talk about the karmic scales on the Bloomingdale Church podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you are, you are, no, no, I'm not going to make that. <laughs> All right. So uh, for for everyone, since it's been a while, and, and Daniel, since you're, it's been a while, long while since you've been on the podcast. Um, it's been two weeks. <laughs> was it really two weeks? Three weeks, what? I think. Um, okay. So the way that this works is that uh, we're going to go around the triangle of the three of you and one of you is going to be the judge and then the other two are going to present your cases for the two sides of the would you rather question and then the judge is going to decide based off of the cases presented which which argument is more compelling so we'll start daniel you'll be the first judge cool and um i got four questions on here but only three toastmasters so let me see which one i don't want to do um max you are arguing for it, it describes the situation that you're in first. So you're in this situation. You are surfing 15 yards from shore, and you see a great white shark 30 yards away and coming towards you. Okay. 15 yards from shore, great white shark 30 yards away coming towards you. Bill, you're arguing for you're snowshoeing down a hill 20 yards from the lodge, and you see a grizzly bear 30 yards away coming towards you. So... Besides the obvious sea and shark versus snowshoeing and bear, right? There's this minor difference of 15 yards from the shore versus 20 yards from the lodge. Not sure why, but that's the game. Okay. So Daniel, you're gonna you're gonna hear their arguments and you're gonna decide which of them presents a more compelling case, and you get to decide who goes first. I want to hear hear from Max first. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna be honest with you, Daniel. I think. You've got to take the one in which you already have momentum. You are surfing offshore. You're 15 yards, okay? In order to maintain your balance on this board, you've already got to be going like, I don't even know, maybe even if you're going, you know, two meters per second, you're only, you're, you're less than 10 seconds away from shore. But in order to be able to ride this wave, you're already going at a decent clip. If you're snowshoeing, I mean, you cannot outrun a grizzly bear, but you can always outsurf a shark. This is one of the core principles of the laws of physics, uh, first of all. Secondly, and, and I know that you are a big fan of extreme sports, so you already know this is true, but I'll say it for the listeners. One of the most effective anti-shark weapons in the world is a surfboard. First of all, he's not going to be able to bite through it. And second of all, if you fall off, by some chance you fall off, you can either hold it in front of yourself or you can swing it like a giant sword. Hmm. Cut that shark in half, and then you go home with a half a shark. Wow. Okay. (laughs) You lost me a little on the end, but like, okay. Well, then forget about that part. Just focus on the part where I had you. (laughs) Bill? All right. So I take it that this grizzly bear has already had an encounter with a bear trap. 
and is missing one of its feet. Mm. So this grizzly bear is probably limping around. I'm not limping. I'm flying. I'm scared to death. Mm-hmm. The snowshoes go on top of the snow, so you can really, really run. 15 yards, that's not bad. I, I can take this grizzly bear, this one-legged grizzly bear. Mm. <laughs> you know, four legs to three legs to one leg. <laughs> I, I like that progression. I like that progression. <laughs> All right, Daniel, which um, would you rather do? <laughs> Get us out of here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go with Bill <laughs> because I, I like the idea of this one-legged bear <laughs> hobbling through. Like that sounds pretty safe to me. This is the stupidest game I've ever played. Well, well, well also sharks, sharks swim like they swim pretty fast. They do. And then also, like, don't bears hibernate? Yes, yeah. they do. Well, with that but question, this one was awake. Max, you're the next judge. <laughs> You get you get a moment to to kind of. I don't need a moment. Your I don't need a moment. I'm angry enough. <laughs> Bill, you're arguing for being stranded in the middle of the desert with a small container of bottled water. And Daniel, you're arguing for being stranded in the middle of the desert with a black umbrella. <laughs> so, would you rather be stranded in the middle of the desert with a small container of bottled water or with a black umbrella? Uh, Bill. Go first. Well, you can't drink an umbrella. (laughs) Sold. I can shield myself from the sun with, like, clothing that I hold up over me to create some shade. But even a drop of water is really appreciated. I'm, I'm sorry it's not a bigger bottle of water, but it's it's enough to keep me alive. Hmm. Daniel. I'm just thinking about the utility of an umbrella in the desert. Oh. You run across, like, a cactus or something, you, like, stab the umbrella, use the umbrella to get the nutrients inside of the cactus so that you can survive off of that, and you have shade while you're walking. And if, like, a wild animal comes up, you have, I mean, I would rather have an umbrella at that point Mm -hmm. than a small little water, plastic water bottle. Mm. So I think the utility of the, the umbrella alone Shows that it's a, it's clearly the better option. Well, what desert are you in? <laughs> I've been watching too many westerns. They have cactus, but you get out there in that Sahara Desert, and mm. there's no cactus. Mm. I'm not sure there's any wild animals either. It's just <laughs> sand, which leads me to a joke. <laughs> okay. So did you hear that? The communists took over northern Africa. No. The whole thing. Wow. Yeah. At first, people couldn't see any difference. And then they started running out of sand. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. That's kind of pulling me back. Uh, All right, Max. I got to go. I I do like that joke, though. But I got (laughs) to stick with Daniel. I love... The thing that stresses me out about the desert, weirdly, isn't dying of, like starvation or thirst it's just like i hate the idea like of not having anything to defend myself like especially you know some kind of scorpion or something like that like i just want to stab well, it with you, my umbrella you, since you've already chosen a winner even the sandstorm at least you got the umbrella yeah to, to shield yourself well, that's a good point yeah that bottle of water is not going to protect me very much no it isn't <laughs> okay. all right last one bill you're the judge and uh in, in this scenario, you're trying to elude the pursuit of one of two superheroes. So you are presumably are some kind of villain, and a superhero is trying to track you down, and you're trying to elude them. Daniel, you're a superhero that... So you're arguing that this person is easier to elude than Max's person. Okay. okay. Yes. So you're arguing that Wonder Woman is easier to elude... Than Batman. Oh, come on. Why do I get... I just go around the circle. (laughs) And Max, you're trying to to argue that eluding Batman is easier than than eluding one. Right. Yeah, right. So take it away, Daniel. Okay, Bill. So you're you're a supervillain. You have gadgets. You have a vehicle. Of course. Wonder Woman. (laughs) Of course. 
What does what does she have? She she's this 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 girl, pretty pretty strong and powerful, has this lasso, but like she's just on her. She only has her herself. She can't she can't really do too much. Does she have an invisible jet? I was Thanks. hoping you wouldn't mention that. <laughs> I'm just uh, trying to be fair. <laughs> she does have an, she has an invisible jet, so it could be hard to like I <laughs> guess outrun her. Could be hard to outrun her. But she's really clear to see. She like stands like obviously outside of the invisible jet when she's like outside. Mm. You can spot her from a mile away. She has shiny bracelets on. She's not going to sneak up on you like when you're sleeping at night in mm. this dark alley when you think you're safe. You're mm. going to you're going to see her wherever she is. Mm. So you're it's going to be easier to elude her because she's easy to spot. Okay. Now, Batman he seems like he sneaks around a lot in the dark, hard to find, hard to spot. Mm. So that's why you should rather want to run away from Wonder Woman. I think I absolutely agree with Daniel uh, about the last part in particular. Uh, you see, the thing about Batman is he really only goes out at night. So during the day, you're pretty much safe to, to go where you need to go and do what you need to do. And the other thing that we know about Batman is that he strongly believes in the possibility of redemption. So even if you're on the run during the day, if you spend your nights working in a soup kitchen or just trying to prove that you're turning your life around, he's not going to break into a, like a, a homeless shelter in front of all these people and grab you by the throat and fly away with you. He's going to look at you through that window. He's going to think about, you know, the night he lost his parents and he's going to say, this man is trying to turn it around. So you, every <laughs> night you survive by, you know, doing good deeds and, and being out there, which you already will be doing anyway because you're Bill Calvin. Uh, and, and he's not going to come into Alpha, you know, and well, be I'm like... Well, I'm a villain in this he's, thing. He's a, he's a super villain. Well, he well doesn't do it technically super just good says things. that you're trying to It just to says he's eluding him. him. Be fair. Okay. So we're just kind of assuming that the mm -hmm. villainy was involved. We don't know for sure. But how many... And above all else, how many times has the Joker gotten away from Batman. Batman's been chasing the Joker for like 60 years, and the Joker still shows up every week. I don't even know who Wonder Woman's villains are because she catches them the first try. <laughs> Bill? Who would you rather try to elude the pursuit of? <laughs> okay. Well, the truth is, I, I want to get caught by Wonder Woman. <laughs> She's so beautiful. <laughs> what could go wrong? So who? So who are you? A... <laughs> he he won just when he took Wonder Woman. But, he... <laughs> <laughs> but you have to try to elude her. But, but if you don't want to elude her, well, you have to try. That's the. Well, I hate this game. <laughs> that means Daniel the winner. Daniel yeah. won, wow. won, won two rounds. Congratulations, Daniel. I'm going to cut that whole segment. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is time for Sermon Roundup. Scott, give me a yeehaw. I think Daniel's going to give me a thing. yeehaw. No. Uh, Sermon Roundup this week uh, is brought to you once again by Boundaries with Kids. Yes, yeehaw. you can say no to your child and still be a loving parent. Discover how boundaries make parenting better. Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend provide the help and guidance you need for raising your kids to take responsibility for their actions, attitudes, and emotions that will help them lead balanced, productive, and fulfilling adult lives. Join the families group in the Common Grounds uh, starting last week, Sunday, October 3rd, for an eight-week series taught by great guest teachers. Boundaries with Kids, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. in the Common Grounds. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash adult ed. That's adulted one word, uh, <laughs> to learn more. Uh, last week, Scott uh, preached on the story of Noah, and in doing so, he, he brought up uh, something that we've discussed on the show before, and I know, Scott, you and I have talked about it when we've gotten lunch uh, quite a bit, this idea um, of being afraid of the world and sort of falling into this trap of, of hopelessness and despair uh, when it comes to looking at, um, as I think generations of Christians have done uh, for a long, long time, uh, looking at our present generation and saying things are worse than they've ever been. Um, and I think your your point uh, was to say that, one, that's not a productive way to to handle sin in the world, and two, the, things might not actually be the worst they've ever been. 
um, that evil has persisted for as long as uh, as humanity has been fallen. Um, and so, uh, first off, I want to uh, ask that question, um, if we can sort of reinforce it, are things really worse than they've ever been? And if so, how do we know? And if not, why not? I think it's easy for certain demographics of people to overlook the sins of the past in favor of the sins of the present. Hmm. Uh, I think it's easy for us to look back at, you know, the whatever, a couple generations ago and be like, oh, they didn't, you know, they didn't have to deal with like the rampant, like transgender issue and homosexuality being so normative and all of these different things that we have to deal with today. Say, like, okay, well, that's maybe true. Um, but also, you know, if you look at America's treatment of the Native Americans, uh, the United States treatment of the Native Americans, I should say, or, I mean, the obvious one, slavery, mm -hmm. um, or, uh, you know, the, the, I forget what they were called, but the camps that they put the uh, Asian camps of, yeah, yeah. Um, during World War II is like, those were pretty awful things. And like, yeah, there are awful things now too, but I think it's kind of, this is a buzzword and I apologize for using it. I just can't think of a better word. It's, it's privileged to think that the things we're experiencing now are somehow like worse than those things. Hmm. Um, because like, Speaking for myself, um, I, I, well, I mean, I wasn't born, so I didn't have to deal with those things, but I wouldn't have had to deal with those things either because I'm European descent. Mm -hmm. um, but those things are pretty bad. Um, they're, in fact, they're really, really bad. So I think certain things have shifted and, and changed, but I think evil has been around. Hmm. I mean, even the issue of abortion, I, I was doing, I think it might have been the Holy Post video about abortion, which is really interesting. Uh, I think it's easy for us to think that abortion really kind of started in the United States with Roe v. Wade, but that's just not true. It's been happening since the very beginning. Hmm. Uh, it's just kind of like how it's been happening in the avenues. But um, hmm. so like that's not new either. It's hmm. just, you know, legalized on a federal level or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I think it's important for us to just broaden our context a little bit and acknowledge that like there have been real big problems throughout our history and throughout the history of the world. It's not new. What would you say is the advantage of acknowledging that? What is, like, what can we gain by acknowledging, um, hey, like, sin has been, you know, entrenched in what it means to be human for, like, a long time? Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of advantages. I think one, this is kind of one of the big things I was getting at in, in the sermon, but I think one big advantage is that when we look at the world like that, we can really come across as kind of whiny. Mm -hmm. Um which is not productive or helpful. It doesn't paint Christians in a good light. It doesn't, it doesn't really lend a lot of credence to the gospel that we proclaim, this victory in Jesus over sin when we are just kind of, I don't know, whining um, and acting like victims. Um, and, like, it's, it's interesting. I think the Christians in the world that really are victims, like, they don't act like victims. Hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, and so, you know, Paul tells us in all of these troubles of the world, you know, famine, danger, persecution, hardship, all of these things, we in Christ are more than conquerors. And so I think remembering that allows us to just much more effectively engage with the world around us instead of just kind of bemoaning the state of it. We can just kind of go, go out and be like, well, I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. I don't have to worry about worry about these issues in the sense that they're not going to, they're not going to take my salvation away from me. You know, like the Bible says, why be afraid of the one that can only destroy the body, be afraid of the one that can destroy the soul. Mm -hmm. It's God. And so, so we don't need to be afraid about these things. And also recognizing that things aren't necessarily the worst they've ever been, um, or at least that big, bad things have, have happened before, I think can also be useful because particularly I know we're still, you know, we're still working through all the implications of, of racial inequity and, and, and these kind of long, what's the word? Um, they've been around for a long time. These sort of like echoes and reverberations of, of slavery and the civil rights movement, all these things, you know, we're still working that out. But as we look back, certainly things are better than they were. Um, and we're not going to reach utopia in this world. That's not going to happen. But we can fight for justice. And as Christians, I think we're called to fight for justice and we're called to fight for improvement. Uh, and so as we look at these things that were and no longer are, we can see like, okay, 
these issues can be addressed mm. if we if we address them. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to be perfect, but we can make them better. Uh, and so rather than, and obviously this is not the way that everyone responds. I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but I, I see this in myself sometimes. And I think we all can probably relate on some. If we look at the state of the world, the issues, the decisions that our government makes, you know, the trends in our society and in our schools and all that stuff, and our response is despair, then it's never going to get any better. But if our response is to stand up and say, this is wrong and we're going to try and in a Christ-like way, and that's important, uh, to move this towards what is right, we have seen in the past through the um, abolition of slavery and and, mm. and various other things that that it can good can come. Well, in my lifetime, I've seen improvements that you younger guys really have no opportunity to really appreciate. I'll speak to one is prior to 1980, everybody smoked indoors. Mm. On planes, mm. mm-hmm. in your home, there were churches that had smoking rooms. Mm. People were dying of lung cancer. And then all of these ailments that maybe didn't take their life, but they did have bad breath. They had yellow fingernails. They had yellow teeth. Mm-hmm. They had poorer health. It's taken a long time. It's taken 40 years to see such a big difference, hmm. but it's it, every now and then Nancy will show me a picture from her workplace at Allstate that was when she just started, and it's like, and there's somebody smoking at their desk, hmm. you know, and you're five feet away, you got to breathe that stuff all mm-hmm. day long. So that's one huge improvement. Another huge improvement that I've seen in my lifetime has to do with drunk driving. Hmm. Mm-hmm. They did not used to really do anything rough with drunk drivers. They're just like, okay, don't do it again, and here's your fine. But mothers against drunk driving have a lot to do with this. Mm-hmm. They made the penalty so steep to get a DUI. This was 30 years ago to get a DUI. It was like $4,000. It was going to cost you that kind of money to go through the court system and get the counseling you had to get. And one of my friends had a company that was charged by the courts to figure out, is this person an alcoholic or was this just a one-time event? Mm-hmm. So you, you have to pay to go to my friend's company and find out, you know, am I an alcoholic? Mm-hmm. And he's running AA meetings right out of the office. It, this is a great improvement. Mm-hmm. It's not what it used to be where you drive on a Friday night at, say, 10 o'clock and half the, well, I'm not sure it was half, but a lot of people are drunk and they're on the road with you. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's another area of great improvement. And a third area has to do with poverty. The real big breakthrough is something called WIC, where there's a lot of money going into groceries for the impoverished. So poverty no longer truly includes hunger like mm. it did even, even 10 years ago. Mm. And the reason I can say that with real conviction is 10 years ago when I was doing benevolence in our church, one of my qualifying questions for people that came to ask for help was, do you need food? And if they said no, that was a red flag. Because I'm thinking, okay, what you want is cash. Nowadays, it doesn't even pay to ask that question. I, I, I do, but the answer is always no. Mm. No, because I have wick. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm. So they, they really don't want to walk out of their food. They need help with their rent, for instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those, those are big, big improvements, seismic improvements, but... You know, the news doesn't really cover that. We're, mm. Now we're on to our new problems. Yeah. It, th- there's a side of me that says, I really don't want to go back and live in 1975 again. Mm. One reason is, in those days, I had a an electric typewriter. <laughs> you can only go so fast. And if you mess it up too much, you got to just take that page out and start over again. With a word processor, oh, this is like heaven. We should just, just daydream about, wouldn't it be cool if you could just 
go over your mistakes, and you, it would appear as though you never even made them, and you can actually <laughs> type faster on this keyboard. And, and we live in that era. Mm -hmm. That is so great. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, to you, to that question of what is the advantage of acknowledging the good things that have come out of, like, you know, the, the progress that has mm -hmm. been made and the improvements that have been made to to the United States, for example, right, to our culture and to, you know, what's the advantage to us as Christians of, like, acknowledging how things have improved versus being more despairing about it? Yes. Well, first of all, we're called to be people of gratitude. Mm. So to not praise God and society for making progress is... It's just wrong. It's sinful not to have gratitude in your heart. But when Scott was talking, I thought of something he was saying. I said, man, I resonate with this. This is so true. When I was in seminary, they would talk about the end times. Jesus is coming again. And what Christians have done is we've latched on to the end times. We don't like what we see. Oh, isn't the rapture going to happen soon? I don't think I can hang on much longer. Hmm. And the world interprets that this way. They say, you people are always ready to check out. Mm -hmm. You are not digging in and helping us with the problems. Yeah. You just figure, if you guys all get saved, we can all check out together. But, but there's no effort on the part of you born-again Christians to help us with poverty, mm. help us with drunk drivers. And they're right. They're right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Paul does describe, he makes the uh, analogy of us being in, in sort of Babylon again, right? Am I remembering that correctly? In 1 Peter, we're called aliens. Okay. So we are just passing through. Okay. Because yeah. that reminds me of, uh, should be Jeremiah who says, you know, put down roots and build your cities and be a part of, you know, mm -hmm. where you're living. And I think that mm -hmm. is exactly like what you're talking about of like, if we are, you know, still waiting to go home and to be in the kingdom that we truly belong to, that God has made us heirs to, um, mm. we still have the prophet Jeremiah telling us, like, while you're still here, like, don't check out. Yes. And in the New Testament, I just love this. Acts chapter 6, the church is feeding the widows. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking it up. How many widows are really out there? And the answer is roughly 10 to 11% of the population are widowed. And it makes a lot of sense. Even just look in, the, in our church, look around the sanctuary, and you will see a lot of widows there, you know, easily 10%. Mm -hmm. So that 10% number, if that's what they were working with in the church in Jerusalem, the church may have had as many as 50,000 people in it in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. 5,000 of them are widows, and maybe half of those widows are really out there without family support, they're supplying an enormous amount of dinners and breakfasts mm -hmm. day after day after day. I, I just admire how they got it organized and they could pull it off. Mm -hmm. What a tremendous testimony of the community because a widow just comes to life. You know, I've got people showing up at my house. They eat dinner with me. I'm part of their family. I get to see their little six-year-old kid. That's living. And so the widow living across the street from her that isn't in the church thinks, how do I get in on this? Hmm. Hmm. I would love to have my life be as good as your life. Daniel? Yeah. And that's like, I think, showing the character of God as well. Like, he's somebody who, like, cares cares for his people, the people that, like, all of humanity. Mm. And I'm thinking of, like, the story of um, Hagar. Like, mm. she was not, she was essentially widowed, not, yeah. not like, Abraham was still alive. And, like, they weren't, like, married, but... She's out there, single mom on her own, mm -hmm. and God saw her yeah. mm -hmm. and, like, said that, I'm going to take care of you guys. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, like, it is showing 
showing the character of God. Yeah. Of yeah. doing that. And like, I guess one thing that like I've been like kind of thinking about as this conversation is happening, this idea that sin, evil, corruption isn't something that like certain like sides have to think about. Hmm. I think sometimes in like our cultural climate, it's really easy. Like if somebody leans on one side or the other to pick, Oh, this is, this is a big evil. Right. This is a big sin in our, in our culture. And then it causes the person to discredit the other side and what they're seeing is wrong as well. And realizing, no, there's like sin and wrong. Like it's not like one side or party has a claim to what is like right or wrong. Yeah. God has a claim of what is Mm. right and wrong. Yeah. And using, using the Bible and seeing that there's, there's all sorts of wrong, but Mm. we are able to find like hope as well. And knowing that like, we were called to be here to reach out and like bring other people in pointing out the wrong, but not just pointing also showing them what is right as well. And I think that's something I, I like struggle with sometimes too. Like it can be easy to just like point at one side or the other and say like, Oh, that person's wrong or this is a wrong that these people are committing when there is also wrong that I'm committing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I need to own up to that and then remind myself to follow after Jesus and then remind and show them the other people to follow after Jesus as well. Hmm. Any other thoughts before we move on? I guess I kind of want to hear you kind of combine the two into one. I did. But to you, like what is the advantage of eschewing that, you know, sort of sense of responsibility, right? Uh, What's the advantage of owning the fact that, you know, whichever quote side I'm on, like God is the one who ultimately decides what is right and what is just. I think it brings an element of humility. Hmm. Um, I think that's important hmm. um, because if you, you come into a conversation of somebody who's not a Christian, then without any idea of humility, then it's going to be harder to like, they're going to think, oh, you got it all figured out. You, right. You don't really care. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I think also keeping this, like, fire under us of, like, we we still got work to do, hmm. but there is hope as well. And, like, keeping both of those, like, in in front of us at all times. Because if we lose, if we lose the fire, then we become lazy. Yeah. But if we lose the hope, then we become, like, just, like, Shouting fire everywhere, um, mm. which isn't like super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, you know, Bill has this thing that he says, I think the first time I heard you say it was about um, setting boundaries and, mm. you know, not working ourselves to death and, and saying like, well, who in their right mind would see a, a believer, right? Just constantly, you know, exhausting themselves and never, you know, taking care of themselves and say, ooh, I want to serve that God. Like, that's a God that really cares about me. Mm. Um, and I think the same thing is true, like what Daniel's saying, of like, you know, if 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 we're coming at it without uh, humility and without, you know, um, the, the truth about where our hope comes from, uh, and to kind of tie in what Scott's saying of like being, saying like God is on the advance, like God is ultimately the victor and we are his workers, like... What, who's going to say like, Ooh, I like doom and gloom. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Finally for me, uh, I, I would love to despair the world around me and check out as Bill said. Um, I think that's really true because it's not the truth, right? It's not about like, Oh, well we got to spin it. So it sounds like, Oh, everything's fine. Everything's great. Jesus has got this. But instead it's like, what is the truth? The truth is that Jesus has already won. Uh, and that evil is fighting for its life, and that has real consequences. But ultimately, like Jesus is the one who, who has and will always win, um, and mm-hmm. and we win purely because that is a gift to us. Uh, we we rise with Him. Um, there's nothing we have done on our own, and there's no right choice mm-hmm. we've made besides to believe in Him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Evil is fighting for its life. That is so mm. true. Mm. But mm-hmm. we live on earth 
we look at the scoreboard, the devil is the prince of this earth. Mm. So he owns the scoreboard. Mm. He operates the scoreboard. He's telling us all the time, we're getting wiped up. Mm. But his scoreboard is lying. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But we haven't awakened to that truth that, Mm. you know what, this is a home game for Satan and he's, he's got the wrong score on the scoreboard. Mm. 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 Amen. He's paying off the refs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather's, trivia quizzes, and your bribes uh, to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. We are uh, rapidly running out of time. Uh, so I got to make a, a pretty snap decision about how we're going to end this because uh, we've got three segments that we didn't even get to today. Um, Bill, do you have a uh, what next week? Next week, Bill. Do, uh, what's your favorite alpha joke you've told so far this semester? Mm. You still doing alpha jokes? Yeah. Does Nancy still squirm in her seat every time you start no, saying it's David that squirms? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite alpha joke that we can put on the air? <laughs> you know, I had a good one last week. I need to go out to the box and get it. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you want so to? Why don't that you can have be somebody our, else do that. That can be our closing segment. Uh, I'll say um, if if you're the kind of person who uses YouTube, which I think is all of us at this point, there's a collection of uh, a compilation I've seen of jokes that Ronald Reagan collected from uh, members of the Soviet Union. It's like a whole thing. I've but, heard of that. But I think I've talked about it before, not on the show, but what uh, Bill, the joke he made about North Africa and, and mm-hmm. communism uh, reminded me of it. Ronald Reagan apparently had this thing where whenever he would talk to like Soviet dignitaries or even just you know regular people, he'd ask them for stuff, for, for their jokes that they made about their own country and uh one of my favorite ones was uh the wait for an automobile is so long it's it's two years you make your payment in full and then you wait two years and then you come and pick it up and so a uh a soviet farmer like makes his payment and the guy says all right we'll see you two years from today and he says okay uh morning or afternoon and the guy's like what morning or afternoon does it matter? It's two years from now. He says, well, the plumber's coming in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was the joke I liked. An elderly man had owned his large farm in Louisiana for many years. Right at the back of the farm, there was a large pond that was ideal for swimming. The old farmer had it fixed up really nice with picnic tables, horseshoe courts, and some apple and peach trees. One evening, the farmer decides to go down to the pond to look it over because he hadn't been there for a while. Before setting off, he grabs a five-gallon bucket as he decides, I'm going to bring back some fruit. As he nears the pond, he can hear voices shouting and laughing with glee. Clearly, somebody's having a great time. As the farmer gets closer, he can see a bunch of young women who are clearly skinny dipping in his pond. He makes the women aware of his presence, and immediately they all swim over to the far end. One of the women then shouts, we're not coming out until you leave, mister. The farmer replies, ladies, I didn't come here to watch you swim naked or make you get out of the pond. You carry on. He holds up his bucket and says, I just came down here to feed the alligators. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you want to be an alpha. (laughs) Well, I got what I asked for. Uh, That is all the time that we have this week. I have, to, I have a decision to make as to whether I can put that in. Uh, uh, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, thank you, you Max. You better keep that in. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor David. Uh, Bill. Oh no, he'd be fine with that one. That is, those aren't the ones. What? <laughs> I don't even... Bill, take us home. (laughs) You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale Church in Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation.
right. Oh, my word. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we didn't do... The Bible part. We didn't That's do... That's why I brought my Bible. We didn't do, yeah, what are you reading? We didn't do things you didn't know. We didn't do the closing segment. Ray brought a guy into the office one day. He says, this man's got a gambling problem. He's got a debt problem. I said, okay. So we want you to see these numbers. So the guy, he's pretty deep in the hole, and I'm looking at different bills he's got, and the interest payments. So one of the interest payments was something like 95%. Whoa. So 95%? Is this one of those payday loans? He says, yeah. Whoa. How do you get out from under a 95% interest loan? Right. So that's where this gambling takes people. They get desperate. They go to payday loan, and you, you can't begin to pay it off mm-hmm. because it's it, this 95%, I don't believe, was an annual thing. Yeah. I think it might have been monthly or something. I mean, it, it was just like, where were You'd have to go rob a store to come up with this money that fast to run down to the payday loan company and pay on your loan. It, it's just mm-hmm. so self-perpetuating. I heard a very interesting stat uh, last week that I, I, I'm gonna. The, one of these stats is is correct, and the other one is an estimate. So the estimate is that seventy percent of the revenue from the Apple App Store is generated by, and this is the stat that I actually remember specifically, 0.5% of the user base. So 75% of the revenue from the App Store is from 0.5% of the user base. Um, Which hopefully those are people who are very, very, very wealthy and willing to spend a ridiculous amount of money and not people who are addicted, but it's kind of hard to say. Exactly. Um, and this came up in a, a court case that that was going on between Apple and the video game developer Epic. Um, if that if you've heard about that in the news, um, but I thought that was you know that's something that people have speculated about the what what's called the free to play model of video games um, in the modern day. Um, that's something that people speculate about of like it's a very small addicted core mm-hmm. user base that makes it yeah. free for everyone else because that's mm-hmm. where all the revenue comes from. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in a way that sounds like the same kind of addiction. Um, as gambling. And in some cases, courts have ruled that some of the game design principles are, you know, gambling, depending on how they're used. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are also some apps that cost like 500 plus dollars just to like have this app that's that like premium $500. that you can like be like, look at me. Yeah. I have enough money to buy this super expensive app. Yeah. Which huh. is like bizarre. Wow. That is really bizarre. Bloomingdale Church is coming out with an app. Yeah, it's only going to be $600. <laughs> it's going to be actually free to play. Ooh, it's free to play. <laughs> 75% of our revenue will come from Daniel Wright. Uh, that's, I thought that was a pretty cool thing. Yeah. What? Be, the whole thing. The Sermon Roundup. Yeah, it was gambling. a Gambling. Great... Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, like, no, the you cards. I thought those. Would you rather? Much, so that was sorry. hilarious. <laughs> Do you but want you to be did, I loved what you chased to by a shark? I'll never. I'll never get over it. <laughs> I feel like I was on the one. I felt like on the one that I had uh, the shark one. I felt like I couldn't possibly lose because I just don't th- like. I think running on snow against a bear is so much harder. But the bear is running through snow, so that might make it easier. I don't know. Running through but snow. that's like his natural habitat. Like, he's ready. <laughs> so it's shark and water. That's yeah, true. But, but you're right. You're already going fast. Uh-huh. And the other thing is, the shark isn't going to come up on shore and right. chase you down. Right. What, he, in fact, how much water is left once you get 15 yards away from the shore? He, he might be in... Two feet of water already thinking, I got to I gotta get out of here. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. Whereas the, the closer you get to your cabin, <laughs> closer true. you're getting to your cabin isn't going to deter the shark. So I felt like I had that one in the bag and I, and I or it, it isn't going to deter the bear. I felt like I had that one in the bag. I blew it. And then, uh, and then I, and then I thought the Batman was one was impossible. You should have left the fighting the shark alone. 
That's where you lost your credibility. I'm not convinced that I could have done anything different. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure and being what? on a surfboard makes you more susceptible to shark attacks because you look like a seal. Well, then let him have the board. He's going to attack. Well, Sharks exactly. can bite through a, a oh, surfboard. They can bite. Yeah, you said they can't bite through a surfboard. I'm thinking, <laughs> are you kidding me, man? <laughs> well, I mean, I, again, you know, yours was in a bear trap. I don't see why my shark couldn't well, have been I, a I shark put, trap. I, I put that, him was in a, there. that was dirty, Bill. I, I, you can't just, well, I think my bear only has one leg, so you're probably fine choosing mine. That's ridiculous. Well, well, I had nothing to work with. The integrity I had to of the create game. something so that I would have something and to work with. And yet you won. <laughs> It's I, just an amazing feat. Like I'm just seeing those posts on Facebook. That's like two pictures of like a dog, and one of them is like, just like this crazy looking, just like like dog, like like this, like that. And then the other one's like really like meticulously drawn, uh-huh. and they're like. We're announcing the winners of our drawing a dog contest. We just want to make it clear that these were chosen by based off of likes alone. <laughs> it's like, this one wins. Like, a really nice second place. I've seen several of those. Oh, that is so. Funny. It's like that. Woo. Yeah, I thought you were gonna win the Batman one because I like don't know much about. I was super excited. I was like, I think I pulled this back. Yeah, but Linda Carter, man, well, that... how do you say no to Linda? Carter? <laughs> That's what you're up against. That's not what I'm up against. Yeah, it is. Wonder Woman, Linda Carter. I wish you'd save me the trouble and just at the moment it's announced, you'd be like, I've already made my decision. So I can just move well, on. Well, you got to be my fair. decision before you even spoke as well. But, <laughs> wait, for, which, for the shark one? Yeah. I already knew the bear was going to win. I'm like, I'm terrified. I'm pro bear. In the water. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I oh, yeah. and also like in the wind, winter, like the bear could have just like woken up from hibernation, so yeah. a little drowsy. Yeah. I don't I know. Guess. There's like a there's like a ten percent chance I can win the bear over and just cuddle with it. There's a zero percent chance that shark is cuddling <laughs> with me anytime soon. Though it is really easy if you like hit the if shark. If you on deflect the, nose, the shark, yeah, he's leaving. The nose. The bear, you're not. You gotta. What is it? You gotta gather dirt clots to throw. <laughs> See, that's why. Bill didn't fighting the bear. You mentioned fighting a shark. The shark. So then I was. Yeah, I stayed without running a one-legged bear. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could probably outrun a one-legged bear. What do you think a shark would be like with no fins? He's just like a spinny missile. <laughs> Wait, when you say no fins, do you mean he like, has a tail, but he has no dorsal he or side. His fins. tail fins. I think that's his primary means of propulsion. He has propulsion, but he can't steer. <laughs> just kind of looping his way through the ocean. You ever seen that movie? And I can't remember the title of it, but the girl was a great surfer, and she got her Soul arm surf. off. Oh, yeah. I've never uh, seen it. I've heard I, it's really good. I can't. I liked it. I can't watch that. You can't do sharks. <laughs> I hate sharks. Man, it's kind of a gloomy day. It is. Yeah, it is. What was the name of that TV show where... The guy that's just paranoid about germs. He's monk? A, monk. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no this is a game Get out of here, Scott. Oh. He had, I think, 15 briefcases. They were all held by a beautiful Deal or girl. no deal? Price yeah, is right? I think it was deal or no deal. Deal or no deal where they opened the case. Mandel. And yes. Howie, Howie Mandel. Yeah. Yes. Wow. What about it? Germ, well, mathematically, it, just, it looks so exciting. Oh, man, this guy's only two away. And everything yeah. just falls apart. Just like for the fundraising. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just trying to see the connection. Uh. <laughs> I think he's thinking about, like, the wall of envelopes. Yeah, I'm just thinking about how that made money for the television network. Yeah. Well, we should do deal, we or, should no do deal, deal or no deal. Because it's like a no-brainer. It's not like you needed to know anything. You're just saying yes or no to the To the deal. deal. That's fascinating. I would, wow. Okay. Daniel, make it happen. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in for playing deal or no deal and winning some money. <laughs> would that be considered gambling? Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm surprised by what's considered gambling through Ray Anderson. For instance, if you, like Cahoots, was yeah. considered gambling, even though well, I didn't put anything up, uh, it's still a... It's still like, like a game of chance. Oh, interesting. Uh, huh. Oh, here's a better one. Call into WMBI and third caller gets a Bible. 
Oh, mm. It's gambling. Uh, really? Mm. I, I just don't see you. You can't lose, so how's it a gamble? When but, you say, like, it counts as gambling, like, what, you mean, like, in the program or, like, from Ray Anderson's from, perspective? From Gamblers Anonymous. Mm. This is a form of gambling. I mean, I think it's a pretty far sure. the, uh, outskirts of it. But it, I guess it gets gamblers' juices going, and yeah. that's what's so bad about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes makes sense. 